the not very nice and anatomically inaccurate prophecies of Oh Lord Heal This Server. Prophecies So Speaketh the Oracle by Blue Sparkle Read by Literarian Aziraphale hadn't really planned to stay in the town for long. He'd come to the Peloponnese Peninsula on a mission, though not an urgent one, which had led to the angel travelling at a slow pace and enjoying the sights. He'd heard a lot of good things about the beauty of Mount Parnassus, and then the locals had been so nice, and their wine had been rather nice as well. Which was how he ended up, slightly tipsy, listening to the man around him talk about the temple and the holy women therein. The Pythia is such a striking presence, one of Aziraphale's drinking companions said. Not at all like the previous one. Her voice is so rough and soft at the same time, you can't help but shiver when she speaks the god's prophecies. Aziraphale hummed along, more interested in pouring himself more wine, until the man started to drift from describing the prophetic priestess's clever words and wisdom on to her looks, predictably which, of course, were of great interest to everyone, and, well, it all sounded rather familiar. Waiting for everyone to be too drunk to remember the traveller among them, Aziraphale slipped out and toward the Temple of Apollo. It was easy to move inside, nobody was there to stop him, and the interior was empty of worshippers. A sweet-smelling smoke filled the building, and soon Aziraphale came into the very core of the temple, finding himself on rough rock and squinting to see through the incense and the smoke rising from a crack in the ground. Blessed messenger, ensnarled by the wicked you'll be. A voice rose from behind the smoke, and Aziraphale blinked to see her. The figure was sitting on a tall seat directly above the crack in the rock, shrouded in smoke. She was dressed in the garb of a young maiden, though her face looked too ageless to really be that of a girl, and red hair spilled over her black dress. Serpent eyes glowed in the dim chamber, and Aziraphale let out a soft cry. Crawly! What in heaven's name are you doing here? The smoke tasted as sweet as it smelled on his tongue, and Crawley cocked her head to the side, smiling. Serving as the Pythia of the local oracle, of course. Are you spreading lies to damn these poor people? Aziraphale demanded, stepping closer, directly above where the smoke was rising. Crawley really looked beautiful like that. He could see why the men in the village were so enthralled by more than her words. What? Crawley hissed, blinked, then shook her head. No, course not, Angel. I'm no more a liar than any other Pythia or whoever else claims to predict the future. Prophecies are all up for interpretation and honestly... Any prophecy will invite trouble if you interpret it wrong.
Aziraphale squinted at Crawley again. He wished he had more wine for this conversation, honestly. Here, let me get you a prophecy right now. You're going to teach someone a skill they've never known before and change their life through knowing it. See, that can mean literally anything. Crawley went on, waving her hands around emphatically. Could mean you teach someone how to sail and they become an adventurer, or dedicate their life to the ocean. Or you could teach someone how to cook a fish real nice and suddenly it's their favorite dish. Aziraphale considered this, then shook his head. What happened to the previous Pythia? Eloped. Had nothing to do with me, promise. Right. Still, even if true prophecies aren't happening here, you're still desecrating the human's holy site. How so? Crawley demanded, letting out a huff. She really did look lovely in the warm, dim light around them, and the dress draped wonderfully over her. Aziraphale tried to focus, ignoring how Crawley's eyes were roaming over him, too. It was too warm in here by far. This is a spot traditionally reserved for virgins, Aziraphale announced, knowing at least that much of the local culture. And you're very much not. At this, Crawley's cheeks reddened and she looked to the side, clearly embarrassed and upset. What, you think cause I'm a demon I can't be a virgin? Aziraphale reached out, taking her hands as he sensed the hurt he'd caused unintentionally. Of course not, dear girl, that's not what I mean at all. What I meant was, since you've been on Earth for three thousand years, then surely you must have tried all the pleasures of the flesh. There's nothing shameful in being a virgin or not being one. It's just merely a wonderful experience, and I thought you would have... He was rambling, and Crawley managed to flush even more, visible in the darkness around them. Perhaps I just never had anyone I'd be comfortable trying that with. Crawley gave Aziraphale a strange look, vulnerable and challenging at the same time. Aziraphale licked his lips, tasting his own sweat and the cloying sweetness of the smoke, the last traces of the wine's flavor. There was something in the smoke that altered his corporation state, he could tell. Not quite drunk, but close to it. If anyone asked, if anyone found out, well, it was just the intoxication. That was it. Would you trust me enough to be vulnerable around me then? Aziraphale asked hesitantly. Crawley opened her mouth, eyes blazing, and then they were on each other, lips moving together 
desperately, hands finding their way under ropes, and Crawley was writhing in Aziraphale's arms, moaning against his lips as he gently bore her down from the seat and onto the ground. His robes were spread as quickly as he could get them off, providing some cushioning for his demon, and then Crawley was staring up at him, trusting and soft, and the smoke around them provided a wonderful sense of privacy that Haziraphel couldn't have imagined to miracle if he tried. It was really rather nice. Aziraphale felt a desperation he'd never experienced before, Crawley's hands turning to claws that never broke skin, urging him on and begging and demanding him to touch her. Her voice became rough and broken when Aziraphale tasted her, sampling the newly created effort between her legs and making sure she reached her peak, under his tongue and hand. He kissed and licked until Crawley's demands that he get on with it and just hurry up and she could take it died down, leaving only her desperate gasps until she was finally truly relaxed and no longer tense with eagerness and whatever latent anxiety she had about what this sort of encounter ought to be like. Only then did Haziraphale pull his demon closer, wrapping her legs around his hips and entering her oh so carefully. If Crawley was crying a little bit from the intensity and sweetness of the moment, then Aziraphale would graciously allow her to blame that on the smoke later. It would have been enough to join like this once. But then Crawley begged Aziraphale for more, and he provided, and then they both decided to try it out with Aziraphale sprawled over their ropes, with Crawley riding him at a leisurely pace, and then Aziraphale also needed that, but urgently while holding her sharp hips in his strong grasp, and then really it just felt really nice, so why stop at one? Or five? And... Who was counting anyway? They lay together after, Aziraphale still breathing hard and Crawley with her arms and head cushioned on his chest, very nearly purring as Aziraphale stroked her back. She looked a right mess, with her hair rivaling Medusa's and Aziraphale's seat on her thighs. She'd given an annoyed look when Aziraphale tried to clean her up too much, so he'd left her in that debauched state. It was hard to tell how much time had passed, given that the smoke obscured any light coming from outside and only the red glow of braziers provided any break in the twilight. That was... Aziraphale breathed quietly, trying to think of a word. Yeah. Really, dear, it was a bit... If you say that word, I'll throw glowing coals at you. Fine. Crawley looked about ready to fall asleep, very content and looking rather well fucked. Aziraphale squeezed her lovely handful of a bottom playfully, earning him a grumble. 
You were right, actually, he said as Crawley cracked open her eye and raised a questioning eyebrow. About what? About teaching someone something entirely new and life-changing, Aziraphale quipped. He grinned as Crawley groaned and smacked his chest, grumbling about insufferable angels. You think too highly of yourself, Crawley muttered, but her lips were quirking in a smile. At that moment, footsteps sounded from the outside of the chamber, and before either angel or demon could do something, several humans entered. One of them was carrying a lantern, which illuminated the room just enough to provide a perfect view of the rumpled clothes, the very obvious signs of rigorous sexual activity, and a newcomer to town wrapped around their most holy woman inside a sacred temple. It really couldn't look any worse than that. Uh-oh! Aziraphale let out, trying to come up with an explanation as he saw the scandalized faces in front of them. Then Crawley snapped her fingers and they were outside, high on a mountain cliff overlooking the early sunrise, painting the temple below golden. Their clothes were scattered about them as well, so Aziraphale grabbed his robes and hastily pulled them against his chest. Crawley seemed to have no issue with modesty. She stretched languidly and yawned before finger-combing her hair into a presentable state with another miracle. Only then did she start dressing herself, not even bothering to clean up. That was a rather rude awakening, Aziraphale said, feeling like his mind was free from a lustful intoxicated daze for the first time in days. Those poor humans will think rather badly of me, I'm afraid. At least half of them had fantasies about their dear holy Pythia. Crawley responded, finally dressed and grinning down at Aziraphale, who couldn't bring himself to put on his own clothes. For that, he would very briefly have to expose himself again, and by the light of day, he worried about this now. I've made it so that they caught us, but saw us escape through a side door before anyone could catch us. That'll do it. Well, I'm sorry I've ruined your reputation with them now, Aziraphale said, feeling genuinely remorseful. You must have enjoyed being at the temple if you stayed for so long. Ah, that's all right, Crowley shrugged. Was about time I set out wandering again. Besides, I can't very well be a Pythia anymore. Why ever not? Aziraphale asked, blinking up at his demon. She'd cut a rather striking figure after all. Crawley's grin grew sharp, her cheeks flush belying her attempts at bravado. Because only virgins can speak prophecies at the oracle. With that, Crawley winked and turned around with a wave. See you around, angel. Aziraphale watched her disappear into the trees, his entire face flaming hot. 
He waited until the demon was truly gone to put on his clothes and threw one last look at the temple below. That was an experience. And the first prophecy he'd ever heard, even spoken in jest, had turned out to be true. Perhaps prophecies were something to look into, after all. Might very well lead to more pleasant encounters with a certain demon, if he was lucky.